guys, welcome to Two Track Mind. We brought our friends Jason and Scott on the show today to get a male perspective, and we ended up with enough material for two episodes. So strap on in. This week we're going to talk about masculinity, body image, and confidence. The conversation will continue next week. Enjoy! Two Track Mind, two of kind. Find friends you'd be hard pressed to find when the world is a one note song with a wrong sense of time. You need a two track mind. All right, and welcome to Two Track Mind. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey there. Hey. Uh, today we have two very special guests with us, <laughs> and M cannot handle it. I just thought, I just thought it would be, I was like, how, at what point is it going to be weird that I haven't said anything? (laughs) (laughs) Just, it'll never. Just got it out of the way early. Emily's here. It'll be fine. Just staring at the boys. Just staring at them. So, uh, welcome. We have Jason Beck and Scott Hogan. Uh, Today, uh, well, and let's talk about why we wanted to have them here, right? Yeah. Just for fun. Just, just for some fun reasons. Mainly fun. <laughs> but also... <laughs> However, other, other reasons. <laughs> but also, be, I think out of genuine curiosity, because Susan and I are professional uh, women, <laughs> and we know what... career. Right. So we know what it's like to be a woman of the day, and <laughs> the types of things that we, you know, that's on our minds and that we struggle with, and we really don't have a counterpart to that, so, and we are trying to, we want this to be, like, a platform to just kind of better understand what it, what is, what's it like in your shoes, guys? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's accurate, and also, yeah, we just wanted to kind of get some more voices, because we also know that as much as we have different things to say, um, we also are very like-minded part of the reason that we're friends. So we thought a different gendered perspective would help mix things up. Okay. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us yeah, today. Of course. Yay. What brought you guys here? Ooh, good question. Uh, your email. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 stay no, stop. <laughs> I just hit Scott. <laughs> An honest answer Sorry. from Scott. <laughs> um, Jason? I feel like Scott and I have conversations, very deep, very deep conversations a mm. lot. True. Um, we end up just kind of talking and, and going off of each other's experiences, so I feel like this is very right to yeah. be doing a podcast mm. with Scott, at the least. Wow. Um, Us to say the least least. Is, yes, yeah. It's like yeah. an afterthought. This is really about a bromance. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And so I think that you guys have a good perspective always, um, whether it's in our improv troupe hmm. or... Or not, so I feel like this is just a match made for heaven. Yeah, I agree. Wow. I feel like, <laughs> like uh, we have those conversations where, like, this is usually, at least I'm usually several drinks in, and we'll just say something, <laughs> like, just like let it hang in the air from him, like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I was there for those. But you I usually think... are, but you're talking to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> that would be exactly the type of stuff that I want to know about. Yeah. And I think. If you're willing to let us into that world. I think also just like having listening to the, having been listening to the other conversations you two have had, there's been always those moments like, ah, oh, this is a really like interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. So, just wanted to get in the mix. What <laughs> 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 Ollie, you're just yeah. responding to our yeah. email. We get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I guess we should um, come clean. Um, oh. Oh, seltzer. Uh, thanks, Soda Stream. Please sponsor us. Um, we should come. Yeah. You guys are both in our improv troupe, right? So yes. the four of us here are all part of an eight-person troupe, um, which is part of why we knew you guys would be uh, exceptional to have on here, in addition to also having great conversations with <laughs> No you. pressure. No pressure. <laughs> You're going to be perfect. Um, but, but I think also just knowing you guys as people, there's a reason we also selected you guys, uh, which is because, I don't know, I think you were both really accomplished, really interesting people. I think that, yeah, when we have... Oh, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Cool. Um, we're going to get... I think the, the people will agree with me by the end of this episode. And, and you guys just have interesting... I don't know. I feel like you guys have lived a lot of life. Uh, and, and especially for, I think, two guys who are still in their 20s. Like, you're right. especially mature. Like, especially have a lot of stuff going on. And I don't know. I'm really excited yeah. to hear your perspectives. Interesting life phases, you fellas. <laughs> Two very different phases. Yeah. Right? Mm. 
unique. Uh, I agree. Like, Actually, maybe what this is your is, phase. Yeah, maybe this is a good time how, to talk about it. How do you define your phase, or what? Um, early twenties, finding my place in my career mm-hmm. while being a PhD student, transitioning <laughs> from PhD student into a PhD student. Um, yeah, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we and, love that relationship. <laughs> You know, but in that that phase where it's like I'm I'm not in my late twenties or early thirties, where I'm like looking to get married as soon as possible, but also trying to find a relationship that's long lasting. Mm-hmm. But it's this phase where it's kind of like I'm I'm doing my studies still, and so I'm still trying to discover who I am, and transitioning out of still probably transitioning out of adolescence. Right. You know, then the 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 late phase of college of going to bars at twenty one. That's like just behind me where all my friends from college are still doing are that. Are still there. Right. And I'm at this weird there. phase where like, I'm like transitioning and wanting to be in career mode. I'm still in school, but I'm not at that party mode anymore. And I don't feel like that at all. Yeah. Can can I make a developmental uh, psychology plug just for one second? I, yes. I can't resist Please myself. Please do. Of course. Like Could there be a name to this phase? <laughs> Let's call this the developmental psychology plug. Um, you just perfectly described emerging adulthood, right? Like you just basically be, like gave yourself the poster child plug for that. Like because emerging adulthood, which I think I've talked about. We've talked, yeah. yeah, we've talked about it a bunch on here. Which is which is you know basically this phase in your twenties and early thirties where you're still finding your identity, and because we're living so much longer and everyone's taking forever um like will has more time to play with these ideas of like stable relationships and jobs and like who they want to be like we now have you don't have to decide that at 18 anymore right like who knows an 18 year old who has all those things figured out anymore like our parents generation that was you know the case and the one before well maybe not our parents but like two generations ago that was the case and with our parents maybe it was like still like you know where you are now right um, but now we have more time to play with that. So that's, you're, you're, you're perfectly appropriate to where you should be, Jason. I really, there's two things, I guess, that, that kind of interest me about that. One is that can be really overwhelming because yeah. we are able to be in a position where our guiding questions can be like, well, what do I really want? And like, what's really important to me? Like what, what sort of career do I want? What is the type of person I I do want to be with? Whereas before, you know, maybe because of practical considerations or just that's because everyone was doing it, like, you know, at 18, my dad was like, well, there's no, well, I guess I'm going to college and then I'm going to go work for a bank because there's, there's no time or opportunity to kind of play with those ideas. So I'm seeing him kind of, you know, at age 68, finally kind of come into like, I get to now do all the things that I didn't get to do because we didn't have emerging adulthood. So in, how is that, how is this phase going for you? Like, is it exciting? Is it overwhelming? Is it? I think it's very overwhelming (laughs) in, it's multifaceted. So it's very overwhelming in who are my friends? Oh, yeah. Where is my yeah. group? You know, because I kind of leaving this group that I once called my friends, but I don't identify with a lot of their party actions and what they do on the weekends and and um, even goals and what they're having in their life or lack of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a place that I'm kind of struggling with right now. Oof. Um, but then there's also this other piece to it, which is like immense confidence. Wow. Because um, maybe this is unique to me, maybe it's not, but it's like, because I've left adolescence and left that mode, I've also left the skinny, you know, <laughs> acne face kid who is struggling to find confidence with girls, with work. I'm for a big portion of my life, I was like, what, what's my career? What am I going to do with my life? And I found something I'm passionate about now. Um, and then, and I also found working out and exercising and all my habits that I just love, like healthy eating and all that kind of stuff. All these habits I love and passions and things I love to do. Which I like, feel like I'm really confident in my own skin. Yeah. Um, hold on, hold on. And how to deal with that confidence. We need to give Scott a turn. There's, I was just going to say, there's so much so I want to get into. But, but now let's kind of yeah. talk about my face. say yeah. the same yeah. thing Where for you. Right. Okay. Um, come back to the skinny acne kid. Yeah, we're going to right come back. <laughs> we're we're not going to bring back to that no. guy. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, guys. Uh, I am 27. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... So I graduated from graduate school last December, yeah. and I am firmly into my first year as a consultant. 
So in very the excited. world, yeah, out in the world. <laughs> um, and I mean, I I had been working before I went to graduate school, but in a I used to work in finance, and I did not like that industry at all. Yeah. Um, so I went back to graduate school, got into consulting. Uh, recently got married uh, yeah. in April, so it's very exciting. Um, and I feel I'm in that phase where I know the thing that I bring to the world as far as like the knowledge base that I bring to consulting the thing that I I know that the way that I think is what I contribute and so like the way that I think about problems the way that I think about things um not that I always think about them correctly (laughs) however (laughs) um but yeah I mean I think I'm I was put into an interesting position whenever I came out of undergrad when I was like 21 and my my mother had gotten very sick and so I immediately out of undergrad took on our family business, and so that was my first big oh, wow. kind of yeah. transition from that like very like college partying, have a lot of fun on the weekends, so like life just like kicking your teeth, like you got to right. bear down, like do this thing now. Yeah. Um, and so doing that, um, and then kind of going, you know, after um, we ended up like selling our family business, going into like moving into my career and realizing that. I'd, was going down a path that I didn't like, and so this is when my fiance, now wife, Kaylee and I were like, all right, we both need a transition, and so that's when we moved to California and started graduate school. So I think I have had kind of like an interesting transition through those like phases of like early adulthood into like, sometimes it's like a weird juxtaposition when I see my, my friends who haven't had to go through, through things mm-hmm. like that, right. who still even now at the, at, in their late twenties are still partying really right. hard. It's just like, like I, like I envy that sometimes right at the other, you know, the other point in time, like I wish I could just like be like not have to care about things, but it's still like I, I have goals and like, I know right. that if I want to reach those goals, like I have to focus on my career and my family and like, what does that mean? And like, what do I, you know, what do I really want out of life? And I think that that's the phase that I'm at. Is like I understand what I'm good at and what I want to do. It's just now that question of like, what do I really want from life long term, and what's important to me. Whew. I've always thought you were older, and I think how you are really kind of speaks to that because you've always had a certain, even though you're goofy and funny and you know great at improv, like you've always had a certain gravitas about you. You know what I mean? And I think it, you just, you kind of have this, this air, this aura to you of like, I've been through some life things and, and I'm, and, but you also seem very, I don't know. I guess I, I've always looked up to you in a way, even though you're, you're younger than I am. I always felt like you were ahead in, in, in a, in a good way. <laughs> I think that that's, like, a way that I often, like, judge maturity nowadays. Like, I think when you're, like, young, like, when you're, like, 15, like, you know, automatically you think a 17-year-old's more more mature, and there's these more clear distinctions when you're younger. And for me, I noticed, like, you know, starting in the 20s and all the way up, like, the difference that I see, you could be, you know, 35 and wildly immature, and you could be 20 and extremely mature, and usually the, the big difference I would say that I see is people who have, like been through some shit versus the people who haven't and and for better or worse that's not like a bad thing for people who haven't had to go through that they probably haven't clicked into that next phase but I do think that that's something that like throws you into the next phase of adulthood is like having to go through some really serious stuff and like really just kind of taking control of your life like both of you even though you're at different sort of phases Mm -hmm. um maybe developmentally speaking like you, you both are similar in that you made reference to, you know, kind of how you were as an adolescent, you know, like the skin, <laughs> I just love that skinny acne kid that I want to, I wish I could have known, but, um, you just seem to have plugged into, okay, these are, this is how I want to be. So I'm going to start taking steps to actually make that happen in you too. So you, you're both very intentional about how you live. And it's interesting that you got thrusted into it. it, yeah. kind of, it the way you phrase it, maybe it was different, but like you were just, I, now I'm running there's the family no business. Choice, yeah. There's no choice. And right. um, I was back to Joseph Campbell's um, hero journey and mm-hmm. how he's thrusted, the hero's thrusted out of the normal home to like the, the new journey, the anxiety filled. But that's the actual wow. thing that opens their perspective for real growth. Yeah. Who is, really quickly, who is the, this Campbell? Joseph man? Campbell is a mythologist who talks about. Um, 
the, the hero's journey that's ever present in almost every folk story ever. Star Wars to Hobbit to... There's Hobbit. always that event that propels that person forward. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. Would you say that you propelled yourself forward? Um, no. I don't think... I think... I, I don't know. I think there are events. I think there's always an event yeah. that either triggers an idea or triggers anxiety mm. or a trauma mm-hmm. that forces mm-hmm. someone to act. Yeah. Or to act five years later after that trauma. There's always an action. Yeah, I think there's a... Um, similar to what you just said, I've, I've, I've been in, like, situations where I've had to, like, give, like, what would be, like, my leadership story. And I think there's... Because you spoke to confidence, like, that moment where you have that confidence that you know that you can do something or you can contribute something. And whenever I was first put into that situation, I remember, like, talking to my mother and... Um, being like, I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, I was like, you've been in like this program in school, like doing business, like because I was a finance for undergrad. And it's like, I know you've learned a lot. You've done really well. Like we've talked about it. I, you know more than you think you know. And it's like, it, you may be new to this, but like all that matters is that I believe in you and I know that you can do this. And I wouldn't trust this thing that I have built over the last decade with anyone else. Wow. And it's one of those things just kind of like hit me in the chest. And like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> wow. And just kind of like went in and like, you know, fucked up a couple of times. Can I say fucked up? You can say fucked up. Yeah, okay. we have an explicit tag on, okay. a, on the You're human. Like, You're human. You can yeah. fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, you can fuck and up. so <laughs> it's this weird, like, because before then, like, I'd been kind of like working with my, my aunt to do it as well. And she'd been my partner with my mom. The, the, it's one of those things that, like, whenever my, like, aunt left to go do other things in her life and like it was just me like it was all the focus was on like me being able to do it and like it's just kind of like a big turning point of like one like not that I didn't have the choice like I, I could theoretically had the choice to not take on that responsibility but knowing that the person that I looked up to most in the world like believed in me to do it yeah it was the thing that like it was less like I wasn't doing it for me it's like I was doing it for her right and so right. like that was the thing that gave me the confidence to do it Wow. It's it's about strength. <laughs> and I I've heard that a lot from people like this idea that you don't know you don't know how strong you are until you're kind of either put in the situation or you step into that situation and that's kind of where these things that you might not have realized were even inside you or cap- capable of really come to light. And I think that's just really interesting because I think we I spend a lot of time, you know, being like, you know, am I having anxiety about whether I'm strong enough and realizing that the opportunity to test that out might not even be available to me until I'm in it. Hmm. So yeah. maybe stop worrying about it. Good <laughs> <laughs> right, go. Yeah, I think it's this interesting idea that like we are okay with failing ourselves and that when we can kind of put ourselves in that situation where like you know, I may fail here and that's, that's okay, but if it's for someone else, then failure, failure is something that's just not an option at that point. To track mind to a kind To find friends you'd be hard-pressed to find When the world is I don't know uh, what thoughts you guys might have on this, but one thing Em and I were feeling really like interested in knowing was like your kind of your thoughts on like body image and masculinity, right? Particularly, I'm interested. Or we something that how interests, dare you? Something that <laughs> how dare you? But what Emily really wants to know. <laughs> she was more fired up about this than me. <laughs> Probably because I've spent so much of my existence um, wrestling with what is the sort of prototype of like this desirable woman and uh, I always feel like I deviate really far from it um so I guess I'm really interested in what what are the messages of about masculinity that you guys have received whether it's in this can be while you were an adolescent this can be now um I'm particularly interested in in body image um you don't have to go there if you don't want to but like what does kind of popular culture sort of dictate to you guys as what's what counts like to to be to masculine have, yeah to have su- be successful check, at masculinity yeah, check off the box. what are those messages hmm. do you want to start, you, want me to start? Uh, you go for it you oh, go so for they're it. so polite okay uh, I think what I have 
perceived as masculinity has been very different from when, I don't know, like junior high to now. We were actually talking about this the other day. Like, whenever I was in junior high, I, like, I shaved my chest because all of the girls in junior high, that was what they preferred. Like, they didn't like a man with a hairy chest at the time. And... I still can't That's get over right. that you had that much chest hair at that age. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we junior. Talked about this you was like 15 or like Junior 16. high? Junior high. Like 13? <laughs> like 15 to okay, 16. Okay, I got like, it. But junior? still, but like, but even like in like in the high school a little bit, you know, this is like, I feel really weird talking about shaving my chest now that I showed it. It seems, <laughs> it seems so bizarre. And like in today, like thinking how long that would take was, was terrible. But it's, it's this weird thing of like, and then obviously like getting into my 20s and being like, why the fuck did I do that? <laughs> and it being masculinity at that point in time was so much of an idea that someone else put on me and that mm-hmm. like this is what I expect you to be in order for me to find you attractive. Got it. Um, or even just to be like seen as intelligent or powerful or confident. It's something that like I was not confident at all in junior high and mm-hmm. like like I I was incredibly shy. Until, yeah, really, really shy (laughs) until about, like, 10th grade. This is shocking news, podcast world. This is shocking news. (laughs) Really, really shy until about 10th grade when I started doing drama. Mm. I um, stopped playing basketball and switched over to an acting class. Mm. And that is where I got introduced to improv. Yes! Um, uh, Miss Hooten, if you are listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um... But yeah, I think that was like a turning point to me, like finding my own confidence and the thing that like made me happy. Um, and that was something that I realized that um, the thing that gave me both either a positive body image or just confidence was just like the thing that like understanding what made me happy, what made me feel attractive versus what other people saw as attractive. I love that so much because it kind of flips this idea of okay, so in order to be confident and happy and blah, 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 I have to like look a certain way or I have to be enacting these certain behaviors. And kind of it takes this idea of, well, what makes me happy? It puts that first. Mm-hmm. And then those other things are more sort of byproducts of that. Yeah, and I think like, and then being uh, a young man in the South, so for the <laughs> listeners, I'm from the Southern United States, I'm from Arkansas, uh, is this very like, um, kind of like, tough, like, tall, like, think, like, John Wayne type yeah. of, yeah. yeah, but also, like, a very, like, deep, like, kind, strong Christian man is, like, yeah. the very, like, and, like, there, there are things that are positive about that archetype, and there are things that are obviously negative, but it's just, like, a, again, once I transitioned into theater, a lot of those things went out the window, so <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's, expectations were even from the people that, like, didn't understand, like, me doing theater versus playing sports, like, it didn't matter because, like, I was still, like, really focused on my family and, like, all mm. of these things. Like, that's the thing about being, like, masculinity in the South is, like, being, like, stoic, but also, like, right. being there for your family and protecting. That's something that I always did. So, I think that's something that's still... Yeah. How, how did you... Could you... This might be hard to do, but could yeah. you boil down, like, you know, your pre-theater self and your post-theater self, like, the the words you would almost, like, attach to what you thought masculinity was supposed to look like or the things you felt, like, described that feeling for you? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, like, strong, uh, confident, capable... Um, I don't know if heroic's the right word, but, like, yeah. something that, like... Um, this very, like, nothing gets to you, you're basically, like, impermeable as a yeah. person. That, like, and it's still, like, that's a thing that, like, I project that a lot on myself now, still. Yeah. But, like, afterwards, it was more, like, this idea of, like, being confident and, like, being comfortable in your own skin and being able mm, to say, like, mm-hmm. this is who I am, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm proud of about yeah. myself. Um, I think it's something that, like, I realized in my, like, mid-20s, and, like, I was that kid that, like, never danced in high school. <gasps> never. What? Like, I would never I dance at parties. What? This is a <gasps> sin against nature, everyone I listening. Can't. Scott is the most gifted, like, movement person I have ever... Like, you, your body is like a fluid masterpiece. I don't, I don't know what to say about when you dance. <laughs> Can't was all this energy just sort of stuffed down inside you during that time, or did it not <laughs> no, even it exist was, yet? It's just like, if you think about the way that, like... 
I imagine the way I think people think when they dance. It's just like, <laughs> like I am always like was looking at other people and seeing how they were seeing mm, me dance yeah. and realized mm-hmm. that like I was trying to either dance or not dance because of them. Uh, like, people I was, pleasing. Yeah, it was like I was trying to dance to like impress them, and mm-hmm. so I wouldn't because I was terrified. Mm. Like I was like wasn't wouldn't do it. I'd be embarrassed. And now like I dance for me, and mm. that's this is a lifetime movie I really want to watch. Can you talk a little about like? If you can think of an example or, like, put yourself in a scenario where you felt the most anxiety about Ooh. wanting to express what you feel now is true masculinity or true authentic confidence on the dance floor or anywhere else. Yeah. Where you're feeling great, you're dancing, you know, you look, maybe you look like a fool, maybe you don't, but you just feel great about you it. You always look good. And where <laughs> before, uh, before that transition, when you, like, felt like you wanted to do that, but you couldn't because you were yeah. feared, you are fearful. Um, the There's, like, a... a I think a triggering moment in my life in like my transition from like, I still love sports, still play sports all the time. But I, I had this moment where like sports was like the thing that I truly loved and enjoyed growing up. I played baseball and I had this moment where like I had just gotten onto the high school team and I was a freshman and I like, I wasn't like, there were still plenty of like older like players that were, would start and stuff. And this is something I'd always been really good at. Like, always had been really good at baseball. And it was something about the coach that I had mm-hmm. that was putting this, like, fear in me that, like, I could not play as good as I used to. Like, yeah. I couldn't, like... Like, he would always put me in to, like, run the bases because I was faster than most of the other team, kids on the team. And I would just kept getting this scenario that, like, the pressure or whatever, like, the fear of messing up, the fear of, like, not living up to my potential kept getting to me. And, like, I kept, like like, running before I should have and, like, getting out. And, like, there was, like, a moment where he was, like, I'm going to put you out there and don't make me regret it. Oh, it's the worst thing to say to And I fucked up. And I fucked it up. And I got I got thrown out. Yeah. And whenever I walked off, he, like, listened to me. He's like, he's like, what did I tell you not to do? Oh. And just, like. Oh That's the Pygmalion effect. It's yeah. And awesome. it was, like, just the worst. And just, like, destroyed my confidence in baseball. Oh, that's And so, nice. and, like, that's, like, the moment where I felt, like, that's the thing that, like, I knew that was really really good at but mm. there was something about like the fear of failure that just yeah. made me completely inept at it at the time Oof. and so that was one of the big like weird things when I like transitioned and like I still play like baseball in other contexts just not for that coach and still did fine but like moving into like that space of like theater and like it being like a very welcome environment to where like as we know in improv like failure is expected right right and fun. And, like, it makes it more yeah fun. exactly and yeah. so like putting in the space of like all right you didn't do great in that scene, but let's talk about how to, like, mm-hmm. fix it and do better next time. And I think that's, like, that moment of, like, knowing that, like, sometimes, like, when I either, like, dancing or, like, doing something, like, anything that, like, I still hate failing, but, like, it's not one of those things that just makes me feel like I can't do something anymore. Huh. Like, it puts me in that space of, like, I know that I'm going to fail. The thing that I hate most is failing and not having a chance to do it again. Yeah. Like, it's like, if I fail at something, I just want to go right back out there. Like, anytime we do improv and I have to do a Russian oh accent, gosh, right? I'm like, just make me try to do it one more time. Like, <laughs> like, like, I'll hate it, but I'll get there. I've noticed something, like, just, just sort of a theme in, in some of the things that you've been talking about. And if this, if this is too psychological, like, kind of... Girl! Analytical. <laughs> Bring it! Yeah, if this is too, like, psychotherapy-oriented, we don't have to go in this direction. But I've noticed... You've referenced this experience of kind of looking to other people to give you not to, to, to kind of look for confirmation from yeah. other people. Yeah, affirmation like, and validation for sure. Right. So whether it's the coach or you know people <laughs> mm-hmm. like the junior high 15, girls, yeah, the yeah. junior or yeah. even the your your peers. So I'm wondering what be. Is that still something that comes up for you, or is that something that you've... Yeah, I mean, I think since I was, like, since I can, the first time I can remember this is first grade, is that, like, I was the kid that was super excited about parent-teacher conferences. (laughs) All I I wanted was, like, like, to see how proud my mom was Uh... when a teacher told them I was a really good student. Oh, my God. Oh, my heart. Like, I'm still that, like, even when I see, like, get, like, written feedback at work, and it's good, I'm just like, fuck yeah. You know? Like, it's still, but yeah, it's a problem, because at the same time, like, though that, like, when it's good, that's helpful, the same time, it's still very difficult for me to recognize, like, hey, you're really good at this. Like, and you need to have your own confidence that you're good at it. You shouldn't always need someone else to tell you you're good at it. 
Right. It's so hard though, because that affirmation from people that we love or mm-hmm. like look up to feels incredible. Do you, do, sorry, do you have a sense of where that like comes from? Like I'm actually just thinking about the love languages right now. Have you guys read that book and heard that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured you had. Like is that, is like that words of affirmation one of yours? Or oh, yeah. This, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me three. For sure. Um, yeah, it's. Definitely. So how were you, what's changed between kind of you as the guy on that baseball team with your coach kind of being able to have that effect, that sort of detriment, you know, he, his words kind of had the ability to either make yeah. or break you. So what's kind of changed since then? Um, I think it's me being more conscious about the people that I put myself around. Cause I know that I'm still susceptible about the, yeah. to that. Like one of the things like I, I need feedback positive or negative um, but it's something about, uh, there's different, like an environmental component. Like if I feel like I'm just in a space where I can't be me, mm. then I am going to fail because like I, I will feel repressed in some way and I just, I won't be able to perform at my highest ability. Mm. And so it's just, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, definitely like the love languages idea that like, I, it's something, one of those things that like, even from like a punishment standpoint, like as a kid, mm. like, like being from the South, like I had like a grandmother that would spank me and stuff like that. And I didn't care about getting spanked. Like I get spanked and it wouldn't matter. But like, if you told me you were disappointed in me, Oof, yeah. it would Those just like crush me. It would yeah, just like crush me for a day. That's yeah. the worst. Um, yeah. I want to hear from Jason though, too. Yeah. Uh, so you said like, so some of the messages though, I just want to circle back for one second. Some of the messages you said that you got were from like junior high people or mm-hmm. from, you know, the, these outside sources. Did you, do you also remember like, movies or tv like were, were there other things that were influencing this like stereotype of what you thought you needed to be um i mean i think like being a kid like watching sports and movies like right. if i think like of my, like my favorite movies in like growing up i always loved like my favorite movie as a child was indiana jones and yeah. <laughs> the last crusade yeah. that one in particular because you had both harrison ford and sean connery Ooh, yeah that's where it really um, comes together but so like this always like adventurous, daring, like, courageous. Mm-hmm. And, like, I still, like, try to embody those things that, like, if I see a moment where, like, I can just, like, throw myself in, like, yeah. I'll go for it. But, um, yeah, I think that definitely the... And then also, like, suave. Like, I think you see that, like, in any you think, like, James yeah. Bond as well. Like, yeah. and, like, that's definitely has some, like, negative suaveness to it, too. But, right. um, yeah, I think that that the being like strong enough and confident that you're never afraid to take a chance. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Well said. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Jason, what about you? What, what kind of ideas of masculinity have come to you over the years? Man, my gears have been turning so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so hard. Right? Because just listening to Scott, like we have so much in common. What? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I just wanted to be like, me too. Exactly. Me too. Exactly. Like that was like that was my inspiration for positive leadership. Like that was my inspiration for wanting to be positive organizational psychology. Um, so to get back to your question, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep touching on the yeah. similarities so that are crazy. same to everything Scott said, and additionally. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel that also I, uh, masculinity is shaped by an affirmation of what women feel about mm-hmm. men. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. seeing, sure. and like, I feel like the, the men throughout my whole life, which I can't like touch on a lot of them, but like the moments I see like, oh, that's masculinity, or it mm-hmm. kind of clicks, mm-hmm. is like seeing someone get adored. And what I pull from that as a man is, oh, I need to, like, change something. Or I need to, like, look mm. a certain way. But really what's, in essence, is, like, his his confidence or something that you can't touch that mm-hmm. he just has. Uh, but I'm I'm putting it on to, like, the way they dress, uh, the way they carry themselves, and trying to emulating that. And so not being me. And I think as when I was an adolescent, I didn't have a sense of autonomy. So I was just trying to get that towards other people's affection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt defenseless. So I didn't like, I, I never shaved my chest. I never like did anything way out of the norm to completely change myself because I felt like I was almost unchangeable. Whoa. Wow. Mm. Um, Interesting. And so then like, I think that might be a reason why I kind of go like towards this bohemian route of like, I'm going to wear plaid and stripes together. <laughs> like I'm going to be the weird <laughs> He's kid. He's a rebel. You know, I'm going to grow my hair out with a Jufro and like, <laughs> um, so maybe that's why I just felt like I, I 
a, like a sour grapes kind of route of like I don't care I'm I'm better than that. So you kind of embraced that sour grapes. Yeah, but I felt idea. very like I had lack of confidence completely, wow. and I was so super shy. You felt like an outcast, but you tried to lean in. Yeah, yeah, it was a. That just makes me think. Like, do you remember the moment the first time? That you realized that a girl was attracted to you. Ooh. Oh, not the first time you were attracted to a girl, Ooh. but the first time that you were aware that a girl was attracted oh, to you. Good question, Great. Scott. Man, that could have been like senior year of high school. Whoa. Um, even and even though I had a girlfriend junior year of high school, yeah. you didn't feel like your girlfriend was attracted to yeah, you. Yeah, she was. Oh, <laughs> she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> That we had a very awesome. interesting relationship, though, because like I feel like I was also always like coming to her, seeing her basketball games mm. and stuff, and uh, um, never felt like it was a mutual relationship. Yeah. And she ended up breaking things off, and I was like kind of distraught about it. And looking back, I'm like, wow, that was not a relationship. I I, huh. I thought it was something else, something different. And I kept I think that's a kind of a theme coming happening. And um, I feel and I think I felt great not being that shy person. Like, you talked about being mm-hmm. shy and, like, not mm-hmm. being able to express. And I've, I've felt that so long. You were shy, um, too? You feel like Very shy. shy. All my family would say that. Like, I was the... Sh- they the know sh- you as the shy the person. shy, The shyest kid. This is such a weird That's thing for us so to hear, world. <laughs> I was, like, always known in my family. Wow. The what? youngest son, the, sh- the youngest person in our family. Wow. So cousins that are older. Oh, you're the youngest oh. cousin, so too? The, yeah, so I was the shyest person. Whoa. And I think that... um I really followed up in my steps and my brothers. Yeah, that's where I looked yeah. at, like, what did they do? And I always looked at that. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm following the rules of what they're, they set up. I'm doing right. good. What right. started, when did the shyness, how, how, how long did you carry that sort of, you know? I think I still feel it a lot. And I push the boundaries by, like, getting that mentality of push myself in my comfort zone and all the mm. motivational affirmations out there. And improv definitely helped immensely I cannot speak that enough and I think um I think like gaining some confidence in like myself yeah independent of anything else going on what makes you feel confident um that's a good question you know (laughs) I I think like a medium like oh funny when people laugh and like that's that's the thing where it's like well that's almost a harmful confidence because that's like still Mm -hmm. attributing to something else um, and I think a confidence is like I'm doing the thing that I feel like I'm following the path of what I value. Hmm. Okay, so when you're like true to your like authentic desires yeah. or doing something that you feel like is like true to who you are. Right. You feel more confident. And I feel like, so going back to like where I see masculinity is always from my brothers. Hmm. I right. I think that's a very big thing throughout my life. Um, and just witnessing how they react to certain things, because they were always a developmental stage ahead of me. Yeah. Um, one brother is four years older, one's th- then seven years older. And they're a doctor and a lawyer, too, Yeah, right? so I always so. had this, like, oh, what do they do? Okay, I can just follow that, you know? Right. Um, and the same exact thing happened with sports. Like, I was always the coach's son, and I was always thought I was great at sports, and no matter what I looked like, no matter what I dressed, or, um, yeah, or, like, whether the girl that I was, like, just wanted so bad and I had such a crush on just never liked me, friend-zoned. And uh, I always had sports. And I always admired that when someone came and saw me playing sports, yeah. and especially a girl, I got clicked into the zone. And I always just did extremely well. And I shined. That's kind of a social psych thing. It, it, it's that, that, That's, like, a protective aspect of your identity. Whereby, like, if these other things are going wrong, you, you have this like successful aspect or of yourself like Mm -hmm. that actually kind of can buffer effects of like things going wrong um in other places can i ask a question you you spoke at the very beginning about how like you know you were taking a model of these guys because like the girls uh you know adored them and you were trying to figure out what the reasons were do you still see like a girl adoring you as like the sign of success like that that you know even in your your new jason version of masculinity Mm. is that what is that how you know it's successful I think that uh, it's easy for me to fall into that place, hmm. and I'm and I'm trying to figure out how to not how to how to actually be okay with falling in that place. Yeah, how like, to be okay with it's falling. It's like in. it's almost like it's okay to feel that sense of yeah, I'm like I look good. Yeah, I'm accomplishing. I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm 
doing some cool things in work. Yeah. And yeah. I'm in a stable mindset. Like, is it, it, it's okay for me to feel that attraction. Yeah. From my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are allowed but why to feel also, But why also, like, not feeding into it. Like, there right. is this, yeah. there's this big dilemma going on. I think Emily has a comment because <laughs> she's holding her face. I'm in. holding my face just because that is so relevant to me right now, just in terms of mainly in realizing how important validation from others is in terms of how I feel about myself. And I think we talk about this ideal of being able to kind of like divorce, have our confidence be divorced from that. And it's really, it's, it's clearly not that black and white because it feels good to be admired by people we love or people that we respect. Like that sort of external validation feels really good. And I don't think the answer is, I, I don't think you can ever break that off completely. And I don't think it just feels good. It's okay. Yeah. That it it's allowed. Yes. Yeah. It's allowed. But I don't know where to go from good. there. Well, I that's have no what, idea. That's your healthy <laughs> narcissist, right? And you always talk about this as your healthy narcissist. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. You're welcome. So it's this thing that my, my therapist kind of has this conception of like inside, you know, inside all of us are a, a bunch of different parts mm-hmm. and they all like have different voices and kind of want different things. And one of the parts is this idea of the healthy narcissist, which is different than the narcissist that can be destructive. And, you know, there, no, va- no amount of validation is, is ever enough. But we have this idea of, of the healthy narcissist, and it, f- it feels good to, to do well and have other people react to that, and that's okay. Yeah. And so then, that's your healthy narcissist. Good job. Yeah, I've been, I think that, like, I've, I'm, a, I'm at the stage where I'm acknowledging that. Mm. Like, oh, like, I'm, I'm doing good in all these areas. But I don't know where to go from here. Like, I don't know how to continue balancing that healthy narcissism with, like, going to the gym and, and just working out on the beauty areas. You know, like, that's, that's not, might not be. But it's also kind of good. Like, there's this balance, you know? And yeah. it, sports comes up in my mind about how, like, you know, you hit well, you do things well, you get um, validated, and you get in the starting lineup. And it feels great, and that's the way the game works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe a masculinity is, like, the shaped by, like, these unwritten rules of sports for men and for women, too. Uh, but I also, like, just want to touch on something that my coach in high school, same exact thing, like, came in freshman year, like, thinking I was hot shit <laughs> and just got destroyed by him. And he was this prototypical toxic leader and oh, wow. ended up stealing from the company and the, the organization and all the um. charity stuff years after I left, but... Um, I just remember, like, they had all these like, determination, grit. Like, this is what Peninsula Baseball is all about. And I was like, yes, I'm buying it. I'm drinking yeah. the Kool-Aid. And I, like, worked every Saturday with coaches and went all in with it and still got nothing. And it felt terrible. And I, and I almost almost lost my whole passion for the game and everything. Wow. But through other figures uh, in my coaches that, I've, like, that really changed my life, um, they helped me continue playing the game. Um, just a technical aside, you said quintessential toxic leader. I'm guessing you're pulling an org uh, yeah. term right now. Would you mind just telling people who don't know like what that means? Yeah, toxic leader will usually, um, well, there's different types. And so you kind of think of the transformational leader as one that's like very charismatic and uplifts ideals to make people better than they actually are mm. and have feel that inspiration, but yeah. also make them feel intellectually smarter because of it. Right. A toxic leader will usually flip this upside down and create ideas, ideals, but then sometimes either use them for their own benefit, mm-hmm. opportunistic, um, or unfairly, so playing favorites. Um, just also the idea of creating scenarios for you to fail right. because they already have the idea that you're worthless. Oof. And being like, told you so. So they they're basically are kind of starting out with them up here and you're down there. And that's, that's yeah. kind of how you're going forward. Honestly, just interesting that both, both of you guys can speak to that experience. I never tell anyone this, but part of the development of my first eating, eating disorder in high school, 100% had to do with my tense coach. Oh, yeah. And I never speak up about that because I still love that person. 
but um it's it's it it was such it didn't make sense to me that I could be working so hard with like extra practice extra hours and it's just this person it just got into my head and I actually it's it I felt like I was just beating myself um like they broke you down or would like tell you that you weren't good enough I felt like I was I was like Emily like you there's some sort of mental block you're you're kind of fighting your your yourself right now mm-hmm. and I don't know if that has something to do with the way that we're coached sort of at that age I mean I was an adolescent also I was 16 right but I just felt like the more that I the harder I worked and the, the more I tried the, the worse I got and mm-hmm. I stopped playing tennis for like six years so everyone be like coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights is the moral of this story have you guys seen that anyone in this room say oh my be god be a transformational guys. leader be a transformational leader well i just have this question for scott after talking about some masculine ideas that i was bringing up like how do you what are your thoughts on the whole idea of balancing the healthy narcissism and like mm. knowing that like your hair looks amazing oh god <laughs> you know? your, your dance moves are great like you're you're working great you're in a great relationship with someone you love and like all these things like how do you balance do you even have to balance where do you feel like men fit in that whole thing? <sighs> yeah. Um, he just tossed his head. So I don't know if you have a similar experience as I, as I do right now or you did before, but like, can you speak on that? I think I, from the healthy narcissist perspective, I, I have, I noticed this in grad school and in a little bit in improv, whenever like you start doing something and you start like talking about something and you assume that everyone else knows the same things that you know. Right. Like either yeah. when you're at work and you're saying something that like mm-hmm. this is second nature to me. Like I imagine you get this from like a positive org standpoint. But like when you're like, like I'll be in like a meeting. I'm like we should be thinking about it in this way, right? Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, and you're like, and then you realize that you're better at better <laughs> at things than you yeah. thought you were. But at the same time, I get like in this really like sometimes unhealthy place, and I I see this sometimes in improv because I, I take improv very seriously and I want to be. It's something that I want to be good at. Like, right. it's something, like, I need to be good at improv, otherwise something else is going wrong in my life. Right. But then, like, we'll do shows, and then, like, there's some people that will come up to me and tell me that we did really well and that I did was really funny and something, and it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And it's this really, like, unhealthy place where, like, I have to get feedback from specific people yeah. that I think, like, have the, like, perspective to, like, give me that feedback. <laughs> and, like, it's, like, if it's someone that, like, has never said it to me before, that's really good, but, like, if it's, like you don't understand like the like you may not get the mechanics or what's going on like how difficult this like some things are Mm. um and so it's this weird like drug in a way i think it's like the first few times that like people tell you that you're really good at something really funny it's great like and then it becomes this very like you have to get feedback for someone like even more and more like the like (laughs) the the specific thing that you did well something yeah it's weird yeah i think i have a really difficult time balancing that i want to make a comment about the healthy narcissist because, yeah. and I'm so glad you actually asked that question because I, I was hoping that we would come back to it. This is super relevant to where I am right now. It, I, I've realized that I have what we, or Bate and I like to call my runaway narcissist, whereby feedback is so intoxicating to the healthy narcissist that it just keeps going and it wants more. It goes to the gym to work on the the, the beauty muscles or yeah. it seeks to then, you know, get confirmation from those specific people. And honestly, I I think that a lot of my issues with with men can be summarized by that sort of runaway narcissist. I don't know when to rein it back. Mm-hmm. Once it crosses the line from sort of healthy to what whether it's it's fixated or just more sort of focused, like as soon as it's, it's impossible to kind of identify when that shift exactly happens, but when it becomes more of a almost kind of an addiction feeling or sort of a, a high feeling, I have really I have trouble kind of reining it back in. And honestly, I just wanted to say this sounds nuts and I've told Susan about this, but dialoguing with that part of yourself is so it just blew my freaking mind. I'm gonna say fuck because we can say fuck on this podcast. <laughs> it and so when you're saying that like for for you Jason especially when you're not sure when that sort of when that sort of crossover happens talk like literally talk to that part 
and see what it wants. And then you get to decide, is this a, is, is, is this a healthy reason to do something? I think getting to the heart of your question, Jason, the way that I feel about it and anytime that I get really positive feedback or like, I think I personally think very much in interactions and like, I like I will replay interactions in my head, either at work or in friendships or in anything that I'm doing and think like, all right, what happened to that interaction? Like, how was I behaving? How was I interacting with that person? And like, even if I got really good, like if it's a work example, I got really good feedback, like, oh, you did really well on this presentation. And then I think to myself, it could have been better. Yeah. I know it could have been better because I yep. know myself and I know that I'm better than that. Yep. Yeah. And that like, I am like, no one can give me harsher criticism than I can. Yeah. Right. And then like, even when like someone is mad at me, like if I've you know, like upset someone and like, and we're like arguing, I was like, as like a people pleaser, yep. like someone telling me they're upset with me. Like, I always want to say like, you may be incredibly mad at me right now, but you are nowhere near as mad as, as I am, I am at myself. As myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, because I like, I could have handled this better right and then know it right and it's like there's always thing of like there's always like i always like i think it's just like this mindset of like it's somewhat good from a self-improvement standpoint but it's like it's <laughs> never quite good enough like it, yep. it, like everything can always yep. be tweaked and perfected and made just a little bit better yeah and <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> that's why fights and relationships are the worst for that kind of thing because there's the yep. person that you are in love with and feel that feedback yeah. with and feel that right. sense of community with the most yep. is like disvaluing you yeah. and then you what's even worse is that you're like to yourself I know it could be better right now yeah. right it's exactly. like you facing that and facing yourself during that moment yeah. right to track mind to a kind to find friends you'd be hard pressed to find when the world is Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for part two of the conversation where we talk about maintaining friendships and have a cross-gender Q&A. Later!